Praise the Lord. I've been blessed so far. How about you? Amen? Amen. <laughs> Inspired. I feel like God has fed me already, fed my soul. Praise God. This morning, I invite you to turn to our opening text to John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10, our opening text. And this morning, we're going to be studying about creation or evolution. And the sermon entitled this morning is entitled, Evolution's Picture of God. Evolution's Picture of God. Now you're probably wondering why we're studying this topic. Well, today we face one of the worst crises we have ever faced as a church, as a denomination. For evolution, you know, is being taught out there. And evolution is being taught out in our public schools, as we know, right? But not only is evolution being taught in our public schools, but evolution is being taught in Christian schools today. Did you know that, beloved? And not only is evolution being taught in our Christian schools, but evolution is also being taught in our Seventh-day Adventist church schools. Did you know that, beloved? And not only that, but it's also being taught in one of our Adventist universities entitled La Sierra University. Did you know that? Now, some of you may be thinking, so what? Why does it matter? Let them go. You see, it matters because this controversy is not a controversy over who is right and who is wrong, but instead evolution is Satan's master plan in which he's able to paint an evil picture of who God is. And that's why it matters this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen. See, my God that I worship is a loving God. He's a merciful creator. He's a God I serve because he's good this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen. I just shared in testimony. And if Satan can get away in which he can paint an ugly, evil picture of my creator God and get you to hate this God, then he's accomplished his purpose this morning. The Bible says, it's time for you to work, for they have made void your law. Are we not living in perilous times today? Are we not living in times where things cannot be the same as it used to be? Are we not living in times, unprecedented times, that we have not seen this before? In all of history, in our own church and denomination, we have seen things that we have not seen before, beloved. Isn't that time that God's people are stirred to wake up, beloved? Amen? And do something rather than nothing, right? Is that not true? We're so used to be doing nothing, it's so easy to do nothing, right? But isn't it time that it's time for God's people to work for they have made void God's law? Is that not time, beloved? Amen? So as we study the word of God over the issue of creation or evolution, may we see a clear picture of God's character of love. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We pray that it will come alive this morning and speak to my heart and everyone's heart here, that our hearts may beat in unison, in unity, and in love. 
here in your Honokah family is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is it that destroys and who is it that gives life? Look at chapter 10, verse 10. The Bible says, Jesus says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus said that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He goes on and says that I've come to give life to everyone abundantly. In other words, Jesus is not to blame for the stealing, the killing, and destroying that is seen in this world, beloved. Amen? Amen. But instead, he is responsible for the life that is seen all around us, and he gives to us abundantly and free, beloved. Amen? Amen. The thief is responsible for the destroying, the killing, and the steering, and not God, I present to you this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen? Jesus said it was the thief that did it, not me. Now, if you were Satan and you wanted to paint a false picture of who God is, what would you do? Turn to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Now, we studied this before, the thought. The thought is this, that if Satan can paint a false picture of God, you will not love God, and therefore you won't serve God. Do you see the foundation? You cannot serve God unless you love God. And so he wants you to paint a false picture of God, so that you won't love God, right? Does that make sense? He's going back steps. So you have to see a true picture of God according to the word first, and then, and only then will you be able to love God, and then and only then will you be able to obey and serve God. Do you see that? But you know there's a lot of Christians out there today that are actually obeying God, and they don't even love God. But God wants us to love Him with all of our hearts this morning, beloved. Amen? And that's the God we serve. So what Satan wants to do is he wants to paint a false picture of who God is first. So you are not only not love God, you be indifferent to God, apathetic, and some of us may even hate God for all the suffering he does in this world. And then because of that, how can we serve and obey God like that? Yes, I'll go to church and I'll go through the motions, but to truly obey 100%, I won't, how can I serve and obey a God like that? Allows all this suffering on this earth. The murders I've been reading about in the newspaper. The rapes that have been going on, watched on TV and in the news. How can we serve a God that allows all this suffering to come on this, in this world? And God says, it's not me, it's the thief that has allowed these murders, the killing and all this destruction. Do you not see that this morning, beloved? Amen? Now if you were saying that you want to paint a false picture, what would you do? Look at, look at this parable Jesus told in verse 24. The master of the house, talking about the master of the house. Now another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed, what kind of seed does the Bible say? Good or bad seed? Good seed. Master of the house sowed good seed, wheat, in his field, in the world. 25, but while men slept, his... What came? Enemy came. And sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when a blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, that the wheat came up, 
Then appear the what? The tares or the weeds came up also. In other words, he planted good, good seed and the wheat came up, but also that the enemy came by night and he planted bad seed and the weeds came up. So weeds and, and the wheat came up together. So the Bible says they, they both came up together. But notice what happens in verse 27. So the servants of the householder, they came and said unto him, they came to the master of the house, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then has it tears? In other words, they came to the master and they said, I thought you said, master, I thought you said you only planted good seeds. Hmm. If that is true, master, where did these bad weeds come from? And to these questions, the one that says in verse 28, he said unto them, the master of the house said unto his servants, an enemy has done this, beloved. Amen? An enemy has done this. I did not plant the bad seeds. It was the enemy that had planted this. And beloved, do we not do the same thing today? Do we not see the suffering in this world? Do we not see the wickedness in this world? Do we not see all the crime that is going on in this world? And do we not say to God, I thought you said that you only did good things. I thought that you were only a good God. I thought the Bible said that you were good. The Lord is good. And if this is true, God, if this is true, then why is there so much suffering in this world? You ever asked that before? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my friend who is such a good person? Why did this happen to a fellow church family member? If you only planted good seed, then why is all this evil and wickedness happening in this world? You know what the answer is from the master of the household? You know what he says to us? An enemy named Satan has done this this morning, beloved. Amen? God is not to blame for the wickedness and the evil and the sins and the murders and the and all the evils that you see within this world. It is Satan, the enemy, has done this, beloved. A thief has come to destroy and do the wickedness. It is not God that does this this morning, beloved. Amen. Believe what I'm saying. Let me hear you say amen. Amen. And so Satan comes and he plants these doubts in your mind. And I know you heard them before. I've heard them before in my mind. And I believe them at times. Have you not also too? God is really the one letting this happen and that happening. And God says in his parables and his scriptures, it is not me that's doing this. I only planted the good seed. And Satan using people by the freedom of their choices has planted the bad seed this morning. Now who is a murderer and a liar? Turn to John chapter 8 verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. The Bible says, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. It is Satan and not God who is the murderer. God is not to blame for the sins. 
God is not to blame for the murders that happen. God is not to blame for the immorality that happens. He's not to blame for the abuse that may have happened in your life. But instead it's Satan and only Satan. But not only is Satan the murderer, according to the Bible, but he's also a liar. And the very things that he has caused you and I to do and the world to do, and all the wickedness that goes in this world, he then turns it upon and he puts the blame upon God for allowing it to happen. Beloved, are you following me? And he makes us blame. Why is God allowing the suffering? He's the one to blame for all of this. And how can you love a God like that? I invite you to look at your handout here. It's been taken from Desire of Ages. The first hand, it says here, the quote, Sin orig originated in self-seeking. Lucifer, the covering cherub, desired to be first in heaven. He sought to gain control of heavenly beings, to draw them away from their creator, and to win their homage to himself. Therefore, notice what he did, he misrepresented God, attributing to him, God, the desire for self-exaltation. So not only is he creating evil, but he's saying that God, he's telling lies about God, that God, he misrepresented God, attributing evil to him. With his own evil characteristics, he sought to invest the loving creator. Do you see that? Thus he deceived angels. Thus he deceived us, men. Hmm. He led them to doubt the word of God and to distrust his goodness, God's goodness, because, because God is a God of justice and terrible majesty. Satan caused them to look upon him as severe and unforgiving. Thus he drew men to join him in rebellion against God, and the night of war settled down upon the world. If, if Satan can get people to look upon God as being severe, unforgiving, not good, being selfish, if he can only get you to think just a little bit, then he's got you where you want you to be. Well, how can you love a God like that? How can you serve a God like that? How can you be even connected to such a God? who allows so much wickedness and suffering to come upon us. And so, not only is Satan a murderer and causes much evil in this world, but also, this morning, beloved, he's a liar. Beloved, no matter what lies and rumors are being spread about my God, my Bible still tells me that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We are to be thankful and bless his holy name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endured to all generations, beloved. Amen? That is the God I serve this morning. He is a creator God that is loving, is merciful, is kind-hearted, is truly good from the inside to the outside, beloved. Amen? That is the God we serve. That is the God we obey, because only because we love him. I love him. How about you this morning, beloved? Amen? And you're here this morning because you love him. Or maybe you don't love him, but inside of you, you want to love him. I know that, beloved. Amen? Amen? You want to know him more. You want to see a different picture than what you think God to be. You want to see a different picture than maybe you've been told how God is to be. You want to know that inside every single person, 
in your heart, you know that somewhere God is good, but maybe you haven't seen it yet. But you know God is good through His Son, Jesus Christ. And what is revealed to Him through the Word of God this morning, beloved. Amen? Now, what are the wages of sin? Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 in your Bibles. We let the Bible speak this morning. We know this text, but we'll just look at this. It says here, For the wages of sin is what? Death. Here's a, we're showing contrast after contrast. So, sin brings death, but the gift, of God is eternal what? Life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here we have again, Satan brings a sin and a woe upon his earth and, and wickedness, right? And he brings death. But God brings through Jesus Christ eternal life. What a God we serve, beloved. Amen? We serve a merciful God this morning. That's the God the Bible is talking about. But Satan brings this God that sin brings death. Now, my question this morning, now, you have to think about this because we're going to get into the subject of creation evolution. Before there was sin, was there death? How many believe there was death before there was sin? So we are clear on that. Before there was sin, there was no death, right? Is that clear? Amen. And the only reason why death came into this world was because man chose to what? To sin. Is that clear? And that is why all the suffering and death that has ever happened in this world is not the result of God, but a result of man choosing to listen to Satan. Is that not true? Because before sin... There was no death. In other words, God created everything perfect, right? There was no death. There was no suffering. There was nothing before sin and death came into existence. In other words, all, everything that was good was, was, was placed by God. But when sin and death came in, it was only because of Satan and us choosing to sin, right? Do you see that? Therefore, God is not to blame for the death and suffering that is seen in this world. Instead, we are responsible for what's happening in this world, beloved. Amen? God is not responsible for the sin and the evil and the wickedness. Now, if you were Satan this morning and you wanted to get people to believe that God is responsible for the death that exists in this world, what would you do? If you want to get people to, to believe that God is the one to blame to bring the sin and, the, and death into this world, which he did it, what would you do? I tell you what you do. You would teach evolution. You would teach and believe and promote the teaching of evolution. Let's look at the definition. Look at your handout here. We're gonna this part of a little class we have here. There's three different forms of evolution. There's naturalistic evolution, theistic evolution, and progressive creation. They're all evolution. Okay, now let me explain the three. The first one is actually called naturalistic evolution, meaning that evolution that excludes God. That's what people out there are complete atheists. They teach it in our public schools. That's called naturalistic evolution. 
Is that clear? That's one for those who don't believe in God at all. Okay, that's out there. The next two is for Christians or professed Christians who amalgamated or connected or joined together Christianity and evolution together. Does that make sense? So it's talking about maybe us. And this one, theistic evolution is this. The first one is this. Evolution that includes God's activities, especially for helping with the more difficult problems such as the origin of life and the Cambrian explosion. I mean, those, you, don't, you don't have to worry about those terms. But basically, origin of life means that evolution believes there's a big bang, but there's no evidence for it, right? You can't prove it. So they said God had to start off that big bang and started creation first of all. And those you know about geological columns and everything, there's the Cambrian explosion. They can't explain the complex life forms that happen from simple, simple life forms. So that's why they had this explanation of God being involved. Okay? Hardly any Christians believe this. Let me show you the last one is what most people believe in and what's actually being taught in our schools. Is the last one called progressive creation. The idea that God created more and more advanced kinds of organisms during eons of time. In other words, the seven days of creation was not literal. It was only symbolic. So one year is a thousand years to God. So it took thousands of years to create the sun. Thousand years for the grass to grow and thousands of years that day where the, the animals came and they took thousands years and they evolved over time. Macroevolution. And you think, what's the big deal? Here's the thing. If God created the little monkey, right? And it later on, over time of, of a thousand years or millions of years, and it evolved into a chimpanzee, right? Even though he created it as a monkey. It lived, and then it died. And the next generation came up, evolved into a better creature. Are you following me? In other words, whatever creation, evolution you teach, there is death before Adam and Eve sinned. Are you following me? If there is death before man chose to sin and bring death, then my question is, and God created these creatures, then who is responsible for bringing this death upon this world, beloved? If according to evolution and progressive creation, if God created the monkey and he allowed it had to be evolved, it has to die first and then evolve into a next creature, who created death before Adam came along later on and chose to sin? God did. Are you following me? And if God created death, then God is responsible for all the suffering, all the murders, all the evils that has gone on this world from all the ages that ever happened. Do you see that, beloved? Look at these quotations. And this is not something that just is said. Look what this is. This is actual evolutionists who believe in evolution and believe that there is no God. But this is what they say if you do believe in a God. They say, a God who allows countless billions of organisms to suffer and die an entire species to be wiped out either does not share the same sort of values we do, number one, 
or works in the world in a much more limited and indirect way than the theologians have usually imagined. In other words, as the churches are preaching, God's not really involved in us. He's just letting us go, like deism. He's letting it go. In other words, this God out there, if he's allowing all this wickedness to happen in this world and all this suffering, then he doesn't have the same values as we do. And look at the next quote, explaining the process of evolution. There's an evolutionist, David Hall, well-known. He says, the process of evolution is rife with happenstance, contingency, incredible waste, death, pain, and horror. The God implied by the data of natural history is not a loving God. In fact, he is almost diabolical. Hmm. These are evolutionists that are saying this. And so when Christians come along and we want to make science master Bible, and yes, we involve, but somehow God, God is going off in the beginning and he's allowed his death to happen, not realizing by combining these different, the world and the Bible together, of promoting a God that is not only evil, but almost diabolical, beloved. And beloved, that is contrary to what the Bible says, that my God is this morning. How about you, beloved? Amen? Our God is a loving God. Our God is a merciful God. God is not evil. God is not diabolical this morning. God is a kind-hearted, merciful God this morning, beloved. Amen? And so when Christians think they can blend teachings together, thinking they're doing good for the church and for science, blending it together, we do a horrible thing to our merciful God this morning. You see, the driving force of evolutionists is this. Their question is this. If there is a God, this is the question they always ask, then why is there so much suffering? A lot of people ask that question in the world. And the reason why they become evolution is because if there's a God, then how can he allow this suffering? Therefore, there must be another explanation for this, not realizing that there is an enemy that has done this, and a thief has done this this morning. Now, turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Why did Christ die for us? Notice the Bible says here. For I delivered unto you, Verse 3. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also receive, how that Christ died for our what? Sins according to the scriptures. So why did Christ die for us? For our sins. To save us from our sins, to save us from death. Now if death existed before man, sin, as is taught, if it's true that sin and death was there before Adam chose to sin, then what need do we have of Christ having dying for our sins if it was already there created by God? Do you see that? There's no need for to be saved from a sin. And there's no need for a Savior, then there's no need for the cross. Are you seeing that? And what's the purpose of the cross this morning, beloved? Turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. 
What was the primary purpose of Christ's death on the cross? Notice the Bible says, and you that were sometimes alienated. Alienated means to be cut off from one's fellowship and intimacy. In other words, we were cut off from intimacy and fellowship with our God. We were one times alienated and enemies in your mind against God because of our sins, by wicked works, because of our sins. So in other words, because of our sinful nature, naturally our mind thinks God to be wicked and evil like our sinful wicked works. Do you see that? We've been separated from a relationship with God, alienated, cut off from fellowship with God. That is how the sinful nature is. But notice what it says here. Yet, now has he, God, reconciled or brings you back together. How does he do that? In the body of his flesh through, what is that word? Death. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Where did Christ die, beloved? Where did he die? On the cross of Calvary. In other words, through his death on the cross of Calvary, God reconciles our wicked mind back to him. In other words, when we were separated from God, the cross of Calvary, his death on the cross, reveals to us an unselfish and a loving and a kind-hearted and merciful God that he would die for sinners like you and me before we even repented, beloved. Amen? That is a God that we serve. And God comes here and he shows this because of his love for us. But if we believe in evolution, progressive creation, as is taught in the different areas, then what we're believing is that there is no purpose for the cross of Calvary. And thus there is no reconciling love that God has for us. Do you see that, beloved? What is our end time message for us? Turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Notice the Bible says, What is the foundational end time message that God has for his seventh and last church? Notice the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Who's the church of the Laodiceans? Us. That's me. That's us. What's the beginning message he gives? Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the what? Creation of God. In other words, Jesus is the one who began all the creation that happened in this world. In other words, the seventh and last church the message given to that church is a reminder to come back that there is a creator god this morning beloved amen god foresaw that the laodicean church one day would gone down so much in their pride and self-sufficiency he knew that one day this text would be preached that god's people need to remember their creator god this morning beloved amen as the foundational message that if we present a God that is wicked and evil and almost diabolical, who would be attracted to such a God? And so this message is a calling us to be faithful to what God is calling us to do, beloved, this morning. 
And God has caused, beloved, to challenge the errors of evolution that's being taught today that destroys the beautiful character of God's love this morning, beloved. Amen? You ever heard of Charles Darwin? He wrote Origin of Species, was kind of considered to be the father of evolution, though he wasn't. And that's what they use in their textbooks in school, Charles Darwin, Evolution. He wrote the book Origins and Species in 1859. Notice what he wrote. This is what he actually said. This is the last quote in your paper. When he went to Cambridge University in, in England, he said, I, at that time, I did not then in the least doubt the strict and literal truth of every word in the Bible. Beloved, even Darwin himself believed at one time that there was a loving creator God who created the heavens and the earth, but unfortunately he rejected the promptings of the Holy Spirit and gave in to the impressions of the devil. And Satan today, beloved, is alive and well, and seeking to get you to believe the lies that God is severe and unforgiving God. He's seeking to get you to believe that God is a selfish and an evil God. He's seeking to get you to believe that God is an unloving and almost diabolical God. And the means in which he's doing this today is through the means of so-called professors and teachers who are teaching evolution even within our very own schools. But beloved, today let the truth bring forth through the word of God that we serve an almighty creator God who created the heavens and the earth. Let it be told with great power today that we serve an unselfish and loving God who upholds the planets and the stars. Let it be cried with a strong voice in these last days, beloved, that we serve an intelligent designer God who in six literal recent days created the earth and all that in them is, beloved. Amen? Oh, what a wonderful, loving, creator God we serve this morning. And because we serve such a God, I want to serve my creator for the rest of my life. How about you this morning, beloved? Amen? Do you have the same desire to serve our creator for the rest of your life? If you do, then would you raise your hand to me this morning? Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 198, 198, and can it be 198.